Hi everybody, welcome to this week's Seen and Heard podcast from Beef and Lamb New Zealand. I'm Aaron Meikle, host of the podcast. Um, and today we're going to be talking about actually two interesting projects that farmers, sheep and beef farmers will be interested in, that Beef and Lamb New Zealand have certainly been involved in, and this is where the two have come together. So we're talking about our Future Farm program, which is one Future Farm at the moment in North Canterbury. We're going to talk about that. And the other one is Overseer FM, which I think a lot of you have heard of Overseer um, certainly in a regulatory sense. Um, before this call, we were just talking about how it is viewed. What we want to talk about today is how it's been applied on the future farm, certainly to meet the monitoring and, and nutrient budgeting and regulatory stuff, but how it can be so much more than that, how that's you know, only a small part of its capacity and what it can really add to farm business management. And actually talking to one of our speakers, this, it's thrown up some slightly left of centre uses and, and contributions to farm business management and planning that we might not have thought of. So the first person I'm going to introduce today is Kirsty Lovey from Beef and Lamb New Zealand. Kirsty's job title is the Future Farm Insights Manager. Welcome onto the call, Kirsty. Um, so what do you do day to day with the Future Farm? Hi, everyone. Um, so day to day, it's a lot of that middle ground between farm operation and the data coming off the farm. What do we do with it? What does it tell us? Um, how can we make better decisions or more informed decisions. Um, yeah, I guess just to get that profitability and sustainability and the whole five pillars um, of the farm, um, of the people, stock, land, uh, got some more financial, that's a pretty big one. Yeah, all okay. those things. Yep. And so how long have you been in that role, Kirsty? Uh, about Oh, since July last year, 2019. I think it was reasonably soon. So has it been uh, everything you thought it was going to be or has it been a, uh, what's, the, what's the project been like? You've been finding it um, valuable, useful, coming up with some interesting stuff? Definitely coming up with some interesting stuff. Um, there are some challenges that uh, I guess everyone's been aware of if they've been following the open days and the performance of the farm. So we've got everything from, I guess, the website challenges. We're in the middle of redeveloping that um, so that we can show the performance a lot, uh, quite transparently. Um, and we've also got KPI development, um, a new business that's setting itself up. Uh, there's been a lot of focus on just getting operational. And now it's a case of what are our performance measures and how does that link in? And I guess with just a bit of a complex structure, there's quite a few people that are just finding their feet and who's exactly doing what and, yeah, not duplicating too much effort. So that stuff's all essentially being worked out now and it's a case to just get the performance up there and sharing that with everyone else. And so that'll be a big part of your role too is, is making sure that information gets out so that other farmers, other people in the industry can see what's going on and... Um, toss up, weigh up whether it applies to them and uh, pass opinion on what they think of what's going on, I guess, too. Yeah, absolutely. We're always open to feedback and suggestions. And part of it is not just showing what we're doing from a demonstration point, but it's trying to do something a little bit differently. So the future farm point of difference is taking on some either farm technology or a new farm system. That's a pasture thing, or it might be a a market opportunity that we're looking to get, how does that then get integrated into a farm business and what's the impact 
not just today or tomorrow or on that one element. So if it's a new pasture, we don't just want to know how much extra pasture are we going to grow. We want to know what does that mean for how much stock are we carrying, the timing of stuff, um, how does it fit in with the farm system and what changes may need to be made. So and analysing it just a little bit more holistically at mm-hmm. times. So I'm looking forward to being able to share some of that and to start to implement some of these new things. It'll be great. Awesome. So the, the farm is called Lanacost. If you go to futurefarm.co.nz is the website, you can see a lot of the background, a lot of the information. I've been there a couple of times. Um, and the one thing I think we can assure people listening is we, we didn't pick the easiest farm or, or a nice flat um, high rainfall or irrigated property. This is a, a bona fide, a you know, dry hill uh, New Zealand farm. It's got a lot of opportunities, um, but it's also got all the challenges that I think um, the majority of our sheep and beef farmers face day to day. And we might talk a wee bit more about a few of those um, in a minute. But I just I better get on. It's been a wee while into the podcast and I haven't introduced our second speaker today. So Alistair Taylor, who's business development manager with Overseer. So I guess the same question for you, Alistair, what do you do day to day? What's your role with Overseer? Um, I guess one of the great things about my current role is that no two days are ever the same. It's a bit like being farming, really, I guess. Um, so, I mean, my, my main role for Overseer Limited is uh, to engage with our users and our stakeholders um, around you know, the introduction of Overseer FM and helping them to get the best out of it. Um, so working with you know consultants, fertiliser companies, um, industry, uh, banks, Lots of farmers, lots of groups of farmers, catchment groups, um, the levy bodies, all those sorts of people, people like yourselves, um, to look at you know how can we how can we take overseer from what it was as as the legacy software um, to what we're to get the most out of what we're trying to build with overseer FM. So one thing, it's sort of not necessarily germane to what we're going to be talking about today, but it is of interest is the structure I guess of Overseer as a company that the ownership and all that can you sort of in a nutshell give us a summary of that who owns it who's the investors the stakeholders yeah no it's a it's a it's a it's a question that comes up reasonably regularly um so and there is a bit of a distinction so there's the Overseer model um is owned by uh Ag Research the Fertilizer Association uh and MPI uh and then when the decision was made to look at moving away from legacy uh, that was when uh, Overseer Limited was set up as a company back in 2015. Uh, and so to, Overseer Limited is, is 50-50 owned by the Fertiliser Association of Ag Research uh, with financial uh, input from MPI because the Crown can't be a shareholder. Um, mm-hmm. So as a result of that, our board, we have a, a representative of MPI, a representative of the Fertiliser Association, a representative of Ag Research uh, and two independent directors. So we are a, an, an industry good organisation in our constitution. Um, it, it, it precludes us from paying any dividends to our shareholders. So any any revenue that we make, uh, which at the moment either comes from obviously MPI, the Crown, the money that's been announced in the last couple of budgets, some of that, um, and then obviously the subscription uh, funds which we get from our users. So all of that comes together, and that's what we use to fund the development of both uh, the business and the software. Uh, and of course, the science that underlines both of those. Okay, so let's let's talk a wee bit about that that science and that development, I guess. So Overseer is now called Overseer FM. Um, I think, like it or not, most people have come to some familiarity with Overseer with its origins. You know, for uh, 
as simple as fertilizer planning and how that's flowed through into other uses. So what's what's the FM mean? What's the what's the big structural changes you've made there? Yes, I mean one one of the many weaknesses of, of the legacy product um, was it had to do everything for everybody. Uh, so mm-hmm. it didn't make any difference as to whether you were a researcher or ag research trying to, you know, look at a new mitigation and how that might be included into the model, or whether you're a you know, farmer in North Canterbury trying to model your sheep and beef farm, um, or you're a fertilizer rep trying to pass the massive courses. Um, everybody was using the same piece of software, mm-hmm. uh, which meant that it, it 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 kind of you know it's that usual thing if you try and please everybody you generally please nobody, and, and I think Legacy pretty much achieved that quite well. Um, so when we've looked at what we supply and, and what we provide to people going forward, uh, we've actually split uh, the, the software into, into three different products. We've got Overseer FM, which is Overseer Farm Management, so very clearly aimed at real farms, real situations for farm planning purposes like we're going to talk about today, uh, and you know the regulatory knock-on, which many people have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, We've then got a, an almost mirror image product, really, called Overseer Ed, which we make available to Lincoln and Massey and young mm-hmm. farmers and people like that who are, who are trying to uh, train people up uh, in the industry. Um, mm-hmm. And that's provided to them free of charge, and it just has some different usabilities. You know, just, whereas FM is all about people being able to share information, for some reason the education sector don't want people sharing information, so we had to change mm-hmm. that piece of software a little bit. So um, things mm-hmm. like that. And then sitting behind all of it, we've got Overseer Science, which is where the, the researchers can go and do their weird and wacky stuff uh, and, and you know, look at model results versus real results and, and look at different sub-models within the software um, and do that stuff. So we've got that suite of software products there now. Um, for 99% of our, our users and people that want to know about Overseer, Overseer FM will be the only one that they ever need to interact with. Um, and so that's sort of like the public. The public face of the product, really. Yeah. So I've just written some notes. I may have missed it, but did you actually say what the FM stands for? Uh, farm management. Yeah. Farm management. Okay. So that yeah. there's a cultural or a thematic shift there away from just measuring and assessing to actually being a, a more proactive tool, rather than reactive, being a bit more proactive. Yeah, and, and I think it. I think it, You know, by the way the by the way the old software was 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 written and developed. You know, the reports were very much focused just on some sort of, you know, specific areas where there's an awful lot more that an overseer analysis can can tell you. Um, and I think particularly as we move into this world of, you know, most farms, if not all farms, needing farm plans, you know, our belief is is that, you know, overseer exists to bring science onto farm um, and, and, it, and it exists to try and help uh, farmers be in a position to make better decisions backed by that science. Uh, and so the more we can focus the outputs from the model on how do we inform a farm plan, how do we inform you know, the, 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 the decisions you're going to make over the next one, two, three years on the farm, um, whether it be just because you want to do things differently or whether it's because you want to you know, do things in a better way than you've done them in the past mm-hmm. or whether because it's, it's, there's a regulatory need to do that, um, the software should be focused on helping people come to outcomes um, rather than just telling you, you know, what your end leaching is per hectare. Yeah. No, that's good. Look, um, reminded me of one thing. If you go onto the Beef and Land New Zealand YouTube channel, we did four screen capture videos with the Overseer FM crew 
which is a demonstration basically of Overseer FM in use and what it can do. So if you want to see what we're talking about here, go to our YouTube channel, search up Overseer and the four videos will come up that are user guides and, and we'll take you through that. Um, look, we might move on just to getting on to the specific application here of Lanacost because um, that's what we want to talk about. The videos give you some background, show how it operates. You've heard a bit of the background from Alistair, but now we want to talk about an applied situation and what, what we've found out of that. Um, Kirsty, putting you on the spot a wee bit, but what's the nutshell? Describe the farm to us, what we're talking about at Lanacost for those that haven't been there. Uh, so for anyone that hasn't been, there are some challenges. I guess the biggest one being that with different soil types and different topography, most farms, are, or every farm's, going to have something, a um, bit of a spectrum on that scale. But at Lanner Cost, the areas on the flat where we see the most potential to be the operating hub, like the engine room of the farm, they do have soils that aren't as great for, um, say, winter grazing. They're quite heavy. Uh, yeah, they're not going to be the best result, I guess, and leaching-wise or environment-wise, but even just from looking after your soil and your assets. Um, you don't want to do those kind of things. So the challenge is the things, the activities that we wanted to do to generate some cash flow and to get the business viable and operating in that top profitability wasn't aligned with our environmental goals and looking after the soil and doing the best thing. So that's where Overseer has come in and I've used that a lot just to run some of these models on, I guess, the farm system change and the compliance regulation, and then a little bit in there just on best management practice or the farm environment plan and recommendations that come out of that. Um, yeah, I could go into that one next. A little bit more about the farm is just it's uh, about 1,300, just over 1,300 hectares. Um, yeah, it's Cheviot, North Canterbury, and no irrigation or anything on the farm, traditional sheep and beef. Um, this season we've had the least, oh, this must be about the third year that we're coming into officially, but um, yeah, just kind of hitting the, it was a transition phase. So all those reports are up on the website for a bit of a plan for where we want to be in five years time. And it's called the, the standard year, we called it. So we're still in a bit of a transition to achieve that. And it includes a lot of cropping regressing as well. So it's probably higher than we want to be um, just with any lease, I guess. You take on something that it's very unlikely it would have been managed before the way you want to manage it. Um, yeah, I'm sure that's a really common thing to happen. So we just wanted to, at the start, say we have quite a long lease by standard, so it's a five plus five plus five. So there is actually an opportunity for us here to invest at the start and still get a return. So, yeah, we just thought let's get it uh -huh. to what we need it to be as far as the quality, the re regressing, uh, get the fertility up. So we've done a fair bit of testing of the, um, yeah, just the soil testing and, yeah, just go from there. So that's the work that's kind of been happening. And to make that work, if we're, say, we're doing a lot of regressing and it has to go through a cropping phase due to either a weed burden or just where it's at, the timing, um, and to get some, I guess, make some money, 
um, yeah, that means bring you on a different class of animal than, my, than what would have been there historically. And then you get into those compliance issues there of winter grazing. Um, in this case, we've got some cows coming on, um, which is replacing or increasing that uh, cow to cattle to sheep number. So that's starting to push on our environmental boundaries, and that's when overseer overseers come in. Yeah, well, I mean, it, what you say, it's a 1,300 hectare farm. What, it's running about 3,500 ewes or something like that at the moment? It's, does it sound right? At the moment, yes. The, the target is 4,000. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's so, sitting yeah, around 2,500. I think people can gather, you know, from where it is and that sort of stocking rate. It, it, it's not the easiest farm. It's not all lush rolling flats that are easy cropper. And as Kirsty's just been talking about there, it's one of those farms we all sort of love to find that's got good bones but great potential, you know, with a bit of work, a bit of investment. And fortunately, in this case, the even though it's a lease, the tenure is such that let's us have time to invest in it and see the return on that investment. Um, you know, it's a good um, farm improvement, farm development project. But those things nowadays don't happen in isolation, obviously, because you can't just put on what you want, where you want, or how many of them that you want. And Kirsty sort of alluded to that. So. Before we move into some of the details, I've just got a reminder here that we have videos on the Future Farm website, plus all the details if you want to have a look at it and see the pictures of what we're talking about. And we'll put the link to those in the blurb for this podcast, just like I'll put the link to the videos I mentioned before that give a bit of a background or an introduction to Overseer FM. So, all right, um, let's talk about, and, and again, this is one for you, Kirsty, but Elsa, you feel free to hook in as you go with your expertise in this. Tell us about... Um, how you've used Overseer FM in the on Lanacost on the Future Farm? I, maybe the helicopter view for a start, and we'll drill into some of the bits as we go along. But uh, what's been the main sort of use you've you've had for it? The main use for from the Future Farm program perspective has been the modelling um, side of it. So some what if scenarios, mm-hmm. and as we go through this transition planning of what does our five year plan look like. As that gets reevaluated, um, yeah, just running these new farm systems, firstly through something like Farmax, um, and then once we see if it's a val- uh, valid or it's going to be a viable model, then we can put it through Overseer and just do all the checks and balances that need mm-hmm. to be done. Um, is there anywhere we can optimize it? But the main one being compliance, as I guess is most people's priority with Overseer. But I definitely have a lot of other, um, I guess, uses that come out of it based on the KPIs for Lanarkos specifically. So they include the greenhouse gas, um, which isn't currently, but we know it's on the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bringing some of that stuff in into the what if modelling. Okay, so um, that's the really interesting stuff, and that's where I think people. It's not a reactive just to assess what you've done in the past. This model can be used very much looking forward to the future. Uh, Alistair, how Easy as that. Who who does that sort of work for a, a farmer? Obviously, the future farm is slightly different with one or two beef and lamb New Zealand staff yeah. involved. But is it? Um, do you need a qualified professional, or is it something that farmers can actually get a handle on and start running some of those scenarios themselves? Um, it's it's a really interesting area, Aaron, which I think is is developing. Um, and 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 I guess a really good example of that was uh, Carly and myself uh, were down at uh, Waimumu for the Southern Field Days. Um, you know, only last month when we could get out and about. Um, and, um, you know, we had a couple of hundred farmers come onto the stand and talk to us there. And, and 
the conversation sort of split into it was 50% one and 50% the other. 50% of it was, hey, look, the council's going to make us use this, so we need to understand it. What do we need to know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other 50% was, hey, look, I've heard about Overseer. I've heard there's a new thing out there. I've logged in. I've got started. I want to know how to make the most of it. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to understand more. What do, what do I do now? And so I think there's a, yeah, there's, there's, it's one of those things where it's going to depend on, on the farm, the farm, the, the people on the farm, um, and, and who else you work with. Some people are more than capable of you know, getting into the software, and, and you mm-hmm. know, our aim is to make it user-friendly. Um, yep. and, and one of the big things that's coming back for us is, is that you know, by making the software more user-friendly, as, as we hope we've done with FM, actually what it highlights is, is the more that you understand the farm system, the easier it is to use the software and the easier it is to get more information out of it. Um, now, having said that, if you're looking as, you know, Kirsty and the guys up at Lanacost have been doing, um, at what do we do next? Um, you know, one of the things I've taken out of, you know, being lucky enough to spend more than 20 years going up farm drives all around the world is, you know, when, when you do that stuff, you know, as you will have found as well, um, the first thing that a farmer wants to know is, you know, what else have you seen this week? Who else is farmer have you seen this week? What ideas can you bring there? Um, and that's where I think the, the, the professionals, the, the consultants, the fertilizer guys, you know, anybody else who's in that trusted circle for a farm business can, can really help uh, uh-huh. with that farm planning uh, perspective. Um, and, and it's about getting those other views now, one of the things that we're trying to do to help that is we're just finishing off some work at the moment around uh, enabling catchment groups within the software. So enabling farm groups, enabling mm-hmm. reporting, enabling people to to collaborate within the software itself. The next thing, once that's finished, which we will start working on is a scenario tool, which is then sort of making it slightly easier to do some of that planning uh, yeah. stuff um, and and providing some ideas. But I think it, it, it's an area where you know, people have to look to their strengths and they have to look to the strengths of the people mm-hmm. around them uh, and, and look to see how they can, can get the most from uh, the information which they can get out of the software. So I suspect it's like any model, garbage in, garbage out. So if the professional Absolutely. help or yeah. to get it well yeah. set up. Once it's well set up, then it's that's when the flexibility comes in, say, for a lay Absolutely. person. Absolutely. And, and I think it's... Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a bit, of, again, there's a bit of a, you know, if, if you've got a really complex farm system, the best thing to do is to get somebody who uses all the overseer all the time to help you to get get that well represented within the software, because it will take them, you know, half the time that it will probably take you. Um, if you've got a more simple farm system, then, you know, perhaps you can you can have a go at doing that yourself and then just get them in at the end to look at, you know, how do you, how do you get the most out of the model? Uh, and, and the power of the, the science that's sitting behind it. Um, so it is, it's very much, you know, trying to get the best out of it and, and, and seeing, seeing where your resources can best be used. So there's actually a specific example there, I think, that you mentioned, Kirsty, in the article I was reading, where you'd had a good season, you had really good winter crop yields, so additional field, obviously wanting to buy something in. Um, standard practice would be go and find something that, A, you think you'll make a lot of money off and buy as many of them at the cheapest price as you can afford and carry on the place but um you're not quite in that well when none of us are in that situation necessarily just doing what we want anymore can you tell us a bit about that example you had the extra feed um wanted to get more cattle on i think but used overseer and and possibly farmax to model some of that and make some what if decisions 
Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, so we did have some extra feed that had to be eaten so that we could carry on with the regressing program. Um, to get that off, we did bring on some additional cattle. Um, so working closely with a consultant initially to make those decisions. And then I took it, those additions, put them through into Overseer just to get that environmental thing. Are we still compliant? Um, because we were on, we were borderline. So we looked at the options or some of the mitigations. If we were to change this, would that make it safe to do, I guess, essentially? Mm -hmm. um, so the big things I looked at were, firstly, where, where are we putting these extra cars? So we looked at um, roughly the farm could be said to be split into a third and third and a third of flat country, rolling and steep. So it's, yeah, which part of the farm are they on? Um, that's kind of dictated by where the crops are, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then we looked at the timing of it. So some of the crops were at the back of the farm, some were down the front of the farm, two very different soil types and depending on how much cattle you put where and at what time of the year, they got very different results and end loss results. So I guess it was just the, the work done with the distribution of the timing and the number of animals. Uh -huh. And you are, there is the ability to change that stuff in Overseer, um, but it's not a default setting. So generally you would leave things as default unless uh -huh. you can advise otherwise. So I guess for me it was the part of the learnings out of this to share with the farmers is what, what things can you change? What's the, the scope, I guess, to change things? So if this had just been put into Overseer, as is and use some defaults, we would have ended up with a non-compliant result and mm -hmm. thrown the whole option out the window, of course. <laughs> and um, yeah, because we're able to change this and find a way, the, the third step was to look at how to validate that. So just finding where that breaking point is, so what's the mm -hmm. next we can have on where and when, and put those, I guess, limitations in place and say to the farm, this is the plan, but these are the restrictions or um, under which you have to operate. And we need to be able to prove this at the end of the day. So when we get audited or if we get audited, um, how are we going to do that? And that's where Farm IQ, um, moving the animals on Farm IQ so that we've got paddock by paddock tracing, uh -huh. um, which is also um, considered best practice for the likes of traceability. If you've got winter grazing or animals from a different farm grazing on your property, um, yeah, for the sake of night compliance and the risk to your farm of biosecurity, um, I'd be tracing them anyway. So there is some of the stuff might have been happening anyway, but it was definitely a became a non-negotiable from a compliance point of view as well. Yeah, it's a really good example, though. So, I'm, you know, initially, I don't know whether the consultant used FarmMax or a stand, you know, some sort of feed budgeting spreadsheet or program. I mean, that's the standard approach. You worked out, you thought you had enough feed, measured it, worked out how much you had, calculated out the bottom line that you could take on, I don't know what it was, you know, 50 cattle for the winter, another 100 cattle for the winter, the, the, the initial sort of gross calculation like that. Was that what happened? Was it FarmMax or just a basic um, calculation? Um, yes, yeah, FarmMax was... Yeah. It was remodeled in Farmax, um, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, to a certain point. So at that time of the year, Farmax was still really valuable. Um, with Leonard Cost the way it is coming into 
I guess this time of the year, um, if we were making changes around say December, January, February, we're budgeting to be dry anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it the results in Pharmex maybe it's it's a bit harder to try and feed budget using it yeah. to that point. So we know they're going to be on farm. So yeah, but definitely the time of the year that we were bringing them on around that August, September, October time yeah. where there was pasture growth and the feed budgeting tool was yeah really valuable um, to use in conjunction with overseer and then the farm environment plan as well. There's a few things that kind of have to link up, but mm. I guess that's the thing. They do link in nicely and they do complement each other, but it's a case of knowing and understanding what information do I need to yeah. to put in. Yeah, where are no. those little tweaking points or the opportunities, I suppose, to optimise? Yeah, no, that's, that's sort of what I was trying to tease out there. So the initial sort of calculation, whether it's Farmex, where I said we can run an extra this number of cattle, but that's just basically a gross calculation for the whole farm. What overseer means and what we have to do in the current environment is say, yes, but where and when can we run them? It's, that's that's basically how you were using overseer to say it was safe. And when you say safe, you're talking in terms of nutrient losses and sediment loss. Yes, yeah. Yep, yep. So we can take this one. This is one of the reasons why this is such a great example because it is that, you know, essentially, you know, Kirsty's acting as the farm owner um, and and working with other other people's consultants and you know talking to the regional council or talking to the district council, whoever might be the regulator, um, and and that's very much how we've designed Overseer FM to be. It's about the you know the centre of the software is the farm account. We want farmers to be in there, um, as as Kirsty said in the in the article, you know, taking ownership of that farm account and really. Mm. You know, getting everybody else into that account, doing the work for them um, yep. to really get the best out of it. And it's, you know, if, if it's working as a collaborative tool, um, then then it's, it's it's doing what we hoped it would do. Um, yeah. And so that, so that's one of the ways that why this is such a great example of, of what you can do with the tool. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating one. It's um, because then it was not only that step, then the final step was to prove that the animals have been where you said they've been. In this case, you're using Farm IQ. And look, we did discuss this before we come on the call. We're talking about some brand names here, but these are the ones that are used on the farm. This is a commercial farm that's made its choice. This is us saying these are the only ones. It's just happened to be the ones that have been used here. And there are other examples that could do something similar. But Farm IQ in this case was the one used to prove, what I guess, what you'd uh, formulated in your model, Kirsty. Is that sort of how it all came together? Yeah, yep, it is. Um, which has gone well. We've been able to track the animals just as they move from kill paddock to kill paddock, um, what type of the farm were they on and when. So that's, and yeah, just the number in each mob as well. So all those things yep. you can reflect, um, I guess, more accurately in Overseer. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting area as well, I think, because I think, yeah, there's, we, we often hear um, calls for all of these pieces of software to be integrated. Um, and you know, there's there's quite a lot of work going on in the background to see how things like that can happen. Um, but I think what Kirsty's flagged up there is 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 actually a really interesting area where you know we we find some challenges, particularly relating to over, overseer, because you know, if you take a situation as Kirsty's just described, when when you're modelling the farm or modelling the farm system as as has been done for Lanacost, um, what you're doing with overseer is is you're representing that farm system against 
you know the the known data which is is included within the model so that includes the soils um, it also includes a 30-year average rainfall uh, and temperature model which we get from NEWA. Um, mm -hmm. and the reason for you is using that rather than you know how much did it rain last year is for exactly this very reason when we're looking at planning what we might do next year or two years three years down the line um, you know we don't know what the weather's going to be um, we've got no idea um, and therefore the best thing we can, the best available information we can use is that long-term average uh, and so that's one of the main reasons why it says it's against that long-term average weather model which means that uh -huh. against that you've then got to look at you know we haven't got irrigation on land cost but if we did we'd have to look at you know what's your what's your average irrigation that you'd have on the farm um and again for, for stock numbers we, we just need to know you know what's the what's the volume of stock that's going to be on the farm in any given month or, or even any given year um we don't need to know which paddocks they're in the model does some really sophisticated stuff about moving animals around to where there is feed you know at the heart of overseer is an me model which goes mm. looking for feed as, as, as i describe it um during the year um so so we don't need that detailed information about which paddock was mob a and which paddock was mob b in but as kirsty's just said you know for nate or for you know your farm planning purposes or for your feed budgeting purposes you do need to to know that information and so it's it's perfectly proper to have you know the farm represented in one way within Overseer FM, uh, and then to look at other tools like FarmWiki like or FarmX and look at it on a, on a different basis uh, to try and achieve something different. Now, yes, that means you've got to put the data in twice. Um, and I say there's quite a few projects looking at how we can possibly do anything to, to reduce that data input. But quite often it's different data that you're actually being asked for. So it feels the same because it all comes under the bracket of stock information but it's it's actually two different levels of stock information and so within that you know that tracing the paddock by paddock so just the heart of the overseer fm model was breaking the farm down into um i can't remember blocks or, or land use classes something yeah, like that management, yeah absolutely management. so overseer wants to look at management blocks yeah and a management mm -hmm. block is is areas of the farm which are managed in a way that is similar to each other um and that can be across topographies it can be you know by fertilizer application by stocking rate you know that sort of thing and and so you know with, with Kirsty's you know, description of Lanacost where you've sort of got you know you've got the flats you've got the rolling you've got the steeper stuff that's a really easy way of, of, of blocking the farm really simply um, and and with the tools that Overseer FM provides you with now you can have up to three soil types sitting beneath a block so that means again you can reduce that number of blocks one of the things that happened under legacy was was with with some funny rules around the country and and some misinterpretation of of, of how those rules should be used um you know we got farms with 100 150 blocks on them and of course you present that to a farmer and they're just sitting there going what on earth am i looking at this doesn't you know this this doesn't feel familiar um one of our key things that we wanted to achieve with fm was was to be able to have it that when a farmer goes into their account, they can either very easily draw their farm and represent it within the software, or if somebody else has gone in and done it for them, they should have been able to have done it in a way that when the farmer goes in, they go in and go, yep, that's my farm, that, that feels right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and unfortunately, too often that didn't happen with the old software. So you know, being able to do those sorts of things, manage the farm yeah. according to those management blocks, um, rather than at a paddock level, because Overseer is a, is a strategic tool. 
um, you know, exactly as Kirsty's describing it. This isn't something that you're going to go into every day um, or even every week or month. It might be something you go into four or five times a year as you work through your planning process um, and then record what you've actually done. But it's very mm-hmm. much at that strategic level, not at a technical level. Yeah. So, Kirsty, when you and the team on Lanocost look at the Overseer model, just to pick up on the point that Alistair made there, does it make sense? It looks like you found the management blocks are sensible, apply to what you've got there. What was the process you sort of got to develop those? Yeah, that was a really good point, actually. It's brought up um, because I'm possibly playing a bit of the middleman there. It's not something every single farmer, I, I wouldn't expect everyone to be doing that. So I guess by measuring the stock movements paddock by paddock isn't so that we can enter them into overseer paddock level, but it's I take that information and put them into those broader blocks, so the management blocks um, that Alice is talking about easier for me to do it that way than to try and say to the farm manager this 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 paddock belongs in this block or these five paddocks belong in here and you have to tell me which block it is it's easier for me to just collect it all and <laughs> decipher yeah. it myself um, but yeah absolutely the blocks on the farm are a mixture of those essentially three different topographies the steep rolling and flat and then the mixture of soils um, I've tried to I run two models to see how similar they are. Um, one is just a mixture of the three entered there, so there is only three or four blocks, and the other one is done on the original version. So the original stuff you pull through from the old model will have everything yeah. done per, per soil and per block. So every one of those blocks might have up to three or four of the same thing, essentially, but with a different soil type underneath it, which, yeah. I'm glad that part has changed and it's definitely so much easier to sit in front of it with the farmer and be able to show them visually and spatially this is the block I'm talking about what happened here it seems to just click in the mind oh well that's where I had the crop there and this is when we had I know a big rainfall event or something happened we put everyone in here and yeah it it helps immensely having that visual aid and being able to just underneath without changing anything else have those three three main soil types underneath doing its thing <laughs> yeah yeah now it's interesting you know so much of what we do in farming is it's sort of a visual business you're looking at animals looking at pastures looking at what's changed looking at your feed supply and communicating stuff often i think because we do that day-to-day in farming communicating with images and pictures is is, is pretty powerful but so, but uh, that was a bit of a sidetrack. Getting on that point, so you, your management blocks. I was just reading, Kirsty. You drew them up from sort of land use class mapping. Is that right? Yeah. So we have had land use class mapping done, which is slightly different to just your regular soil mapping. It takes quite a few things into consideration, including some of the erosion risks and your topography and your slope classes, and yeah, definitely a lot of soil information. And it's quite a colourful image that it comes out with. So it's trying to work out how we can take that and make those management zones. That's probably getting into some of the other scenarios that we're going to try and use mm-hmm. overseer for. And that's with the upcoming regulation where there's going to be a lot more uh, influence, I guess, over topography potentially or slope classes. So mm-hmm. still a work in progress having those maps changed 
over into a, an actual management zone because it's not just for overseer. I find with the, definitely with fertilizer replications as well, that's another element where you have a visual map that can be different to either, even though you apply it paddock by paddock or you might put your orders in by paddock and your soil test by paddock, the actual applications are by different zones. You might have a range of this. Uh, I don't know, your pH might be between 5.5 and 6. This will get one application. So suddenly that's one zone that's totally different to a management zone and a paddock. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's not going to link in with um, potentially land use class either. It's Yeah, we have so many different layers and it's <laughs> being able to simplify them to only one or two where you can make a decision on the spot. Um, yeah, that something's gone wrong with this crop or I need to eat it now. Is it in an exclusion zone? Yes or no? Is it? Am I allowed to put this thing on? What's the impact? It suddenly becomes a minefield. So I'm yeah. working through how to try and simplify all those things and demonstrate that it can be done. Um, but Alice's comment at the start: the more you know about your farm system, the more benefit you'll get. And that I agree 110%. That's the key to it all: is understanding it. Mm. Paralysis by analysis, I think, is the great fear, isn't it? You've got so much information, but it's just uh, very hard to, to make a decision. But So the, um, that underlying land use class mapping you've been doing, was that done as part of developing the farm environment plan for Lanacost, Kirsty? Yeah, that was actually done through, in the Harunuru, we had the earthquake recovery work mm -hmm. that was done. Um, so we were fortunate to be able to get the land use class mapping done as part of that project. Um, and it's also been done as the due diligence, um, yeah, with beef and lamb. So there is that, I, I believe it is called the due diligence, due diligence report on the website. I would have to check out, but near the beginning of the timeline, there was some reports done and some, some really good mapping. And it puts some restrictions in there too. So when you have that done, you'll generally get, I guess, an indication of activities, what the land is suitable for and what it's not. And that breaks it down into yes or no recommended pastoral farming, um, yes or no to being able to crop it or maybe only direct drilling. There might be some cultivation restrictions in there and some of it will just say you shouldn't have stock on here at all. Um, so it's been really good to have that kind of classification but then the, the next two or three columns along that say what does that mean as far as what, what I can do with my farm. Yeah, due diligence undertaken in April 2018. I've actually got the web page up in front of me just to check a few things as we go. So um, I just wanted to tie in a wee bit there. We've talked about these things and Alistair talked about, you know, the challenge just to have numbers and data transfer from them. But one of the other bigger challenges is to not just do any one of these things because they seem like a good idea in and of themselves, but how do they fit in, in an overall sort of system or connected parts that are all actually working towards the same end goal. So Beef and Land New Zealand have our farm environment plans, which we're remodelling into farm plans. As part of that, you do a stock take and a risk assessment on your farm. A big part of that is the mapping that um, to some degree is very similar to what Kirsty's talked about there. So going towards an overseer model, if you do a farm plan, some of the information that comes out of that will flow straight into setting up your, your overseer model. And then Kirsty's talked about how that can link with feed planning, stock buying decisions and those sorts of things. 
and how it can flow through into verification with a model like FarmIQ for tracking animals. And all that stuff is going to then link in with things, as we mentioned earlier, like Farm Assurance Program and Taste Pure Nature for, for red meat farmers. But we don't need to get into too much detail on that. I just The theme we want to pull out today, I think, is that don't oversee it just as a reactive tool to avoid a somebody coming up your driveway to prosecute you. It has so much more than that that can actually improve your farm business um, and your productivity, your profit, your lifestyle, all those things at the same time as addressing the, the, minim, the, the, the regulatory requirements that you will have to face. And in fact, I was just listening there, it was the first time two key words had come up in the discussion so far. One was regulation and one was fertiliser. So look, we might, um, <laughs> let's jump into the R word, regulation. And, and that is, I know when people come to workshops on this or, or talking to you, Alistair, uh, that's the first thing on their mind is how do I avoid being prosecuted? How do I meet regulations? Obviously, we're trying to turn the conversation a wee bit here to the, the proactive uses, the things it can do to help make your business better. But there's no doubt that um, that side of things is important. So I'm not sure whether who wants to answer this one, maybe Kirsty for Lanacost or Alistair generally. Um, the whole one of the key outcomes of Overseer FM is still meeting the reporting and, and um, assessment requirements that um, we are we already have or we are going to have put in place for farms by regional councils. I mean, and it does that effectively, efficiently. Yeah, and, I think, and obviously, I think in the last 12 months, we've seen that expand into the into the GHG space. And, and obviously, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're lucky that we've got the industry, you know, Hill of uh program, which which you know, we're delighted to be part of as well. Um, looking at how do we how do we best enable farmers to meet that sort of GHG challenge as well. And, and I think for me, that's kind of where we go to is, you know, for too long, um, the legacy overseer software was very much just about you know, I'll get this analysis done, I'll spit out an end number, thanks very much. My milk company's happy, my meat company's happy, my regional council's happy, right, mm. I'm done. Um, and, and you know, when you think about the work that's gone into producing Overseer over the last 30 years, um, across, you know, the, the pre predominantly the New Zealand science sector, um, you know, we really weren't making good use of, of, of that resource which had been developed for us. Um, I think, yeah, one of the things that we saw, you know, we did, did 30 odd um, workshops last year working with rural professionals and farmers across the country. Um, and, and, you know, seeing farmers' eyes light up when you sort of start to look at, you know, some of the things that Kirsty talked about today, but particularly then when you start to get into understanding the GHG losses, understanding where they're happening within the farm system. Um, the, the, the carbon stock tool that we worked on with you guys last year that's brought in. You know, the farm forestry side of things and being able to understand the sequestration of farm forestry and, and native blocks, which which has been in there since October as well. All of those tools that allow you to understand the, the bigger picture of um, you know, how, how what, what impact is my farming system having on the environment? Uh, and then how does that relate to whatever rules might be in place um, in your particular area? Um, and we've had a, we've had a, you know, since, since you know, the last couple of years when we've, we've had Overseer FM up and running, um, we've had a really proactive involvement with the regional council sector, meeting with them sort of every every three or four months, looking at how can we make sure that when it is being used in regulation, it's being used appropriately. Um, and there's some work being done, um, funded by MPI and MFE, uh, looking at sort of formalising some of that guidance and, and we're part of that process to make sure that, you know, the, 
the bits that we know about the model are actually reflected in that guidance. Um, so that's a that's a really big area of work just at the moment. We've got a couple of guidance documents that we've been working on that we intend to publish in the next month or so, mm -hmm. um, which will really sort of give people a bit of an insight into how the model really works. Um, mm -hmm. And by knowing how the model really works, it, it highlights some of these areas where you know, it hasn't been particularly well used in some bits of regulation in the past, and hopefully we can avoid that uh, going forward. Um, you know, the, the reaction to the PC1 uh, Waikato situation is an interesting one. Um, you know, everybody, you know, nitrogen reference points are, are gone, but everyone needs to know what their nitrogen leaching is, and, and that feels like a much better way of doing it. So you, you've, you've got that idea of, of, of understanding how you sit, um, what you're losing off your farm, um, and then using things like the farm groups tool that I say we're going to re release very, very shortly, um, being able to look at, you know, how do you, how do you compare across your area? How do you compare across your catchment? Mm -hmm. um, and, and what can you do together to make things better? That's what we should be looking yep. for, and that's what we want the software to be used to do. That's yep. sort of, I guess, our, our, our overview. Kirsty? Yeah, no, there's, um, there's a few separate conversations on that one, isn't there, as far as compliance, whether you're talking about the actual how it's applied, how overseers used in compliance. That's definitely not my forte. Um, I guess our take of it on Leonard cost is that we know that we need to, we have to abide by certain regulations and this is a tool being used and what we do on farm is gonna have an impact or change that result. So the one we talked about earlier, as far as the distribution of animals is maybe a bigger analysis that you do at the start of the year when you're setting your actual farm plan and saying this is roughly what we think we're going to do and get an idea of the outcome. Um, another proactive thing that I like to do is at that six month point or say around Christmas time um, a few things have usually not gone to plan so it's just a bit of a where what's the impact of that stuff. So an example for us right now is that not all the bulls um, that we thought were going to go have gone. So just a, it's only a two-minute job to retweak those numbers and say instead of going in December, we still have, say, 30 left in January. Um, what does that mean? And there was some crops that was an area that didn't get put in. So those are the kind of changes that are quite simple to do. Um, and there will be some farmers who are able to do that if the model has been set initially. Um, and that just gives you that indication of, or a bit of a heads up, what's your end of year results. So there are people that need to report every single year, um, yeah, what their end of year overseer budget's looking like. So just that little bit of a heads up with the refresh in the middle once it's been set. So there's a bit of a spectrum of expertise required as far as setting the initial system or setting up the farm. And then once things are set, if it's a similar system every single year, it's quite simple to make those tweaks. If it's just a farm, a, an animal number change in a month, you know, that's, that's pretty simple to do. Um, yeah, and the other things we've used it for compliance-wise are the bigger studies. So the impact of the essential freshwater package, for example, at Lanarkos, we did a greenhouse gas investigation and also some really high level, just a carbon investigation, just having a play with that new tool that's available. Um, it's probably not new anymore, but <laughs> obviously your FM does have a, a carbon indication there. Yeah. 
I actually want to come on to those in just a minute. So it's a good segue, maybe just a couple of seconds a bit earlier than I wanted. So I mean, to wrap all that up, though, Kirsty, for I'm not sure, you know, this is the tricky one because every region differs in what they're currently required to do and what they may be required to do. But the way you're using Overseer at FM at the moment on Lanacost with all the things that are happening, it is serving its purpose for you as a uh, well, you know, a reporting tool, a um, an accounting tool for the sort of information you have to provide? Yes, it is. And I guess the way it's being used at Lanarkoff is because up until recently, the, the, it's our regulation we had to abide by. We were mm. quite borderline with mm -hmm. do we need a consent or do we not? So to remain in the not pile and not have to do anything extra, um, it was just a case of keeping tabs on, on where you are. So there will be other farms as well that perhaps have a cap and if they're running pretty close to that nitrogen cap or maybe you're trying to make a reduction that you need to hit by whatever year, um, just getting an understanding of those little changes that might happen in the farm system, getting a heads up on that. Um, yeah, it's really good. It might mean that you just need to get rid of stock at the end of the year and a few weeks early if you have to bring yourself back under the line but mm -hmm. getting a heads up will give you that indication early yep. enough you can actually take an action and not <laughs> be reactive to it afterwards which is the hard part yeah it's probably the oldest line the oldest cliche we've we've got in this business at beef and lamb new zealand is if you if you don't measure it you can't manage it so um yeah rather than living in hope that you come in under the under the number at the end of the year at least um the way you're using it there gives you a chance to be pretty confident you are and if you're getting close to make changes to make sure you do so let's come back to what i think a lot of people when they first thing about it was um the in fact it was the reason for the original creation of the legacy product i think around you know soil fertility management fertilizer and lime applications and so on do you use it in that role um, on lanacost uh, so we're not using it for recommendations mm -hmm. no. um well we're not from this side um but we are using it i guess just for the lining it up so i am only mm -hmm. putting the fertilizer on where it said it was going to be so in certain blocks mm -hmm. um yeah instead of just having a blanket average of we know we bought x tons of phosphate this year let's just even it out across the whole farm we're actually mm -hmm. putting it specifically where it was placed yeah so, I mean, Alistair, are they, I mean, the fertiliser companies or, or other farmers still using it in that way as a basically a soil fertility management tool? Um, I mean, I think so. I, I hope so. They're, they're the ones that have spent all the money to uh, help yep. to develop it. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, that's what it's there for. And I, and I think, yeah, one of the things that we found through the uh, the workshops that I mentioned earlier is, is an area of real interest, both to RPs, fertiliser consultants that have got a bit you know, rusty, um, mm -hmm. and, and, and to farmers is, you know, if, if, if you get into Overseer FM and you get into the reporting section, um, there's a report in there called the Block Details Report. And, and what we've done there is very clearly line up, you know, what the maintenance requirements are for a block versus what's the fertilizer uh, that's been applied. Um, and, and so that allows you to sort of understand, you know, are we, are we meeting our requirements? Are we over applying? If we're over applying, did we mean to over apply? Equally, if we under applied, did we mean to under apply? Um, and, and to look at you know, how can you make those decisions a wee bit better uh, than maybe some of the old rule of thumb tools that we've all got away with over the years. So it's, you know, I think, you know, Kirsty's point is a good one. I think um, as we all look to understand 
our farms and our farm systems and, and the, the underlying soils and, and land use capabilities of the farm, um, you know, tools like Overseer just come back to, to being more useful and more appropriate for looking at those sorts of things to make sure that, you know, if you've got a 50,000 foot budget and you want to get the most out of it, um, and, and, you know, by looking at you know, the risk factors across soils, by looking at the, the, the soil test levels across soils, um, by looking at, you know, the maintenance requirements of different blocks, you can, you can make better decisions on, on where that budget gets spent and where it gets fertilizer in a particular year. Um, and, and then listen to the advice of your, of your fertilizer consultant as to, you know, what's the best form or product or anything else to, to get that on that particular yep. year. So it, it should be very much part of, of, of the farmer's toolbox. It's very much part of the fertilizer company's toolbox. I say, you know, they, they've invested a lot of money to get overseer to, to where it is now. Yep, and to use another analogy or another metaphor, whichever it is, I can never quite remember. Um, there's more that, yeah, there's another string to the bow that we're going to talk about this. I think people often assume it's a single string bow, this this tool overseer, but as, we, as you've seen, as we've talked, it has multiple uses. And the one, I think it's a new one by the sounds of what you were saying, is actually using it around carbon sequestration and greenhouse gases. So uh, maybe Alistair, do you want to give us a update on what it can do there and how it can be used? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the greenhouse gas one is actually a really interesting one because the greenhouse gas reporting has been in Overseer since 2003. Um, mm -hmm. It's just that no, no one ever found it in Legacy because it was so pretty hard to find. And so we've surfaced that right at the front now. It's, it's very clear when you go into your farm account and see your analyses, you get a blue box that tells you what your GHG per, per hectare mm -hmm. is. And, and there's some, you know, when, when people get through into the reporting section, you can look at you know the three gases the methane the nitrous oxide and, and the carbon dioxide emissions by source um for, mm -hmm. for kilogram per hectare um there's also been some you know there's the results of some some great work that the cris have done over the years looking at um life cycle analysis uh and you know so there's a there's a life cycle analysis report that spits out there as well to tell you you know what's your what's your ghg emissions your carbon dioxide mm -hmm. equivalents for per kilo of meat, per kilo of wool, um, you know, kilo of milk solids if people have got milk dairy operations as well. So, you know, there's all of that stuff that's been in there for a long time. And in FM, that's a lot more visual. Uh -huh. but, but, yeah, you're right. One of the, again, and this was a, you know, we're, we're pretty proud of this because the, the, the carbon sequestration thing was something that came up at, at a couple of those workshops last year. Um, particularly the, the the one that we held at Fielding sort of in March last year, with people saying that's great and we can understand um, what what GHG is coming off our farm, but what we'd really like to understand as well is what can we do to offset those? How can we understand that better? So um, we took that feedback away. We talked to you guys. We talked to Dairy and Zed. We did some work with MPI as well. Um, and over a six-month period to, to October last year, uh, we developed and then released what we're calling the carbon stock tool. Um, mm -hmm. So again, what that does is essentially you, you've had the ability to, to include tree and bush blocks in Overseer for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. But what the carbon stock tool does is it allows you to, to put forests into those blocks. Um, so you tell the software what sort of trees they are, how long they've been there, have they been harvested in the last 10 years? Um, and that allows you to, to, to get a picture of what does your carbon sequestration look like today? Uh, and what does your carbon sequestration curve look like over the next 50 years? So 
Um, if people want to jump onto the overseer.org.nz website, uh, there's a short video on there that sort of explains that tool, uh, which which I think people will will, will get a lot out of. Um, it's it's certainly an area that we get a lot of uh, inquiries about um, how people can best use that information and, and how are we going to continue to improve it over the over the coming years. But it's a pretty exciting area to to have within the software now. So and again, that will depend on the quality of the information that's gone and set up. But that would lend, then let farmers or farmers and their advisors or their, their, their um, work through scenarios. What ifs? If they've got a, a um, Absolutely. reduction Absolutely. target, this lets them yeah, do it and that's the most exactly why we, Yeah, that's, that's exactly why we've built it with that sort of 50-year curve on it. So you can sit there right. and go, okay, well, what, what level of forestry do we need to have to offset all of our gases or just our biogenic gases or, you know, a third of our gases, half of it, whatever it is that you're looking to achieve uh, on the farm uh, and, and be able to do those what-if scenarios. Yep, absolutely. So just a little plug for Beef and Land New Zealand there. We're right at the moment in development and obviously rolling out will be held up a wee bit, but a workshop, Trees on Farms, which is doing exactly that, effectively saying to people, here's how you get the information, here's how you can do what-if scenarios, and a few examples. Some will be on real farms, some will be, when we can't find the right farm in a region, we'll have some example farms elsewhere that we've done to show how we've done that, basically that modelling. What if you need to reduce emissions by X amount? Um, what's it going to mean to the amount of trees you have to have, the amount of stock you have to reduce, and what will it actually do to your bottom line? So um, just a little self-interested plug there. But um, Kirsty, you've been quiet for a wee while. Is this something Lanacost has looked at yet or is going to? Um, yes, we have not, I think, in the detail that you're talking about at the workshop. So we will definitely mm -hmm. have to head along and partake in one of those. Yep. Um, it's been done more from a... Some of the KPIs set under the um, environment section. I've actually mm -hmm. set some greenhouse gas reduction targets. Um, we haven't. We don't know what the target is yet because that's not set. But we know mm -hmm. they're going to have to reduce. And overseer is great in that it gives you the efficiency measure, which is possibly a word that's not used as commonly as it maybe could be. Um, so looking at the efficiency of your farm as opposed to just the output. Um, so we're going to start looking at increasing our efficiency, um, or I guess decreasing the amount of emissions per um, live weight grown or the sold and even the per stock unit. You can choose whichever measure you want to attack first. Um, but I know there's a lot of signs coming out in that area too, so it'll be an interesting one to watch. But I feel like that word that your, um, your efficiency or those metrics are going to become... Mm -hmm. uh, does it just roll off the tongue when you're talking about how you're doing? Yes. Yeah. No. We're we're learning new languages. Just uh, yeah. Obviously, that country's learned a whole lot of new words just this month, March 2020. If you're listening to this sometime in the future, you'll know how we came out the other end of it. We're all learning a new language, but the, the business of farming isn't stopping and and learning these new terms and and new ideas that we're going to have to apply and how we can actually make the most out of them is, is a pretty key thing. And that's what I think. Through this whole, I've just looked at the time, it's over an hour now, so it's been a longer one than usual, but all the way through, hopefully we've stressed that there are some bottom lines, some regulations you have to meet, but this stuff is so much more than that. It can actually make a really significant difference to your farm, your farm business. Um, and actually, that just reminds me, Kirsty, you'd talk this even has opportunities in succession planning, you think, is you know, not just reactive things, but being proactive there in terms of 
how farming families can look at how they structure their their affairs. Yeah, I have been to a few succession type things recently and there is a lot of talk about diversification or being able to, I guess, change the business and the way the farm is either operated or structured, whatever your choice may be. Um, but it's just being aware that if you are thinking, I don't know, perhaps this part could be suitable for a vineyard or maybe this person wants to take over and add in some mixed cropping along with sheep and beef, who knows? Um, whatever that scenario is, using overseer to see if you change that farm in that way, is it is it still like is it still compliant? Um, yeah, just that extra mm. little steps instead of just looking at it from a financial, oh yep, that will work, that will now support two families instead of one, tick the box. Um, yeah, it's that extra step. Can you actually do it? Yeah. <laughs> so just no, it's good. To make sure that everything's before you set your plans in, in place because that's a pretty big plan to be making. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I know, and that's, the, you know, again, that, what I was just wrapping up in there, this is about helping people achieve their goals. And it's understandable if one of their goals is not to be prosecuted and, and one of the rules, that's fine. But at the same time, you know, we're all, we want to look after our farms. We want to achieve a number of things, leave a better business, a healthier business, a more productive business, et cetera. And what we've talked about today, I hope, has given you some clear examples of how Overseer FM can help and how that's actually being used by Beef and Land New Zealand on a real farm in a real situation that, that we're involved with to, to achieve those goals. So, I, as I said, I just glanced over the time. It went pretty quickly for me because I found the stuff really, really interesting. Um, Kirsty, Alistair, is there anything in particular you wanted to raise or that we've uh, forgotten before we do a bit of a wrap up? Yeah, hopefully a really good summary. And I think, yeah. you know, as, as Kirsty said, it's about, you know, look, looking beyond um, just that, you know, what's my number and, and thinking about how how Overseer and other tools can, can help you to plan for this sort of uncertain future, um, yeah. which probably feels even more uncertain just at the moment. Um, uh, and 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 get some better ideas and and you know the, the what, what Kirsty and the team of Atlanticus have been doing is a great example of that. Brilliant. Oh, well, I was going to ask for your wrap up, so that's a neat one there from you, Alistair. I don't know, Kirsty, whether you've got any last sort of um, brief take home message or a quick wrap up on the experience you guys have had at Atlanticus with Overseer FM. Um, not other than there should be in development right now. We are trying to put these learnings into a key learning document that's mm -hmm. available through the, will be in both the Beef and Lamb website and the Future Farm website. In the, um, just don't have a time frame on that one yet, but it is in progress. Brilliant. Okay, so have a look in the blurb at the bottom of this podcast, whether you're on your podcast app or you're on the Beef and Lamb New Zealand website or the Podbean channel. It'll have those links to the Future Farm website where you'll be able to find some of the material that exists already and some of the stuff that's in development that Kirsty talked about. It'll link to Overseer as well, the Overseer website, so you can see some of the other things that uh, Alistair was talking about here. But it's been a an interesting one. This is the most podcasts I try and do face-to-face, -face, so this is the body language. We can swap notes, talk back and forth. This is one of the first ones we've done under the new regime of being locked down. Um, I'm the sound quality has sounded good to me. We're going to up our frequency of doing some of these because it's a great way of getting information out when we can't run events. So um, yeah, the first one was a bit of a trial. Make sure it worked. Looks like it has. So thank you very much to Kirsty Lovey, Future Farm Insights Manager at Beef and Land New Zealand, and to Alistair Taylor, Business Development Manager at Overseer Limited. Um, 
thank you very much for your time and uh, we'll talk to you again soon out there in the farming world. Thank you.